I'm a little worried about those birds. It's all right. We'll just mention it up the top of the show. It's the outdoor edition. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think we'll, I think it'll be fine. No one's going to care. Yeah, no I agree. No one listens to this shit. No one will mind. Okay, let's go. Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. Hello, I am Andrew. Welcome back for another time. Remember and us. Re- remember remember us? Don't Hello. call it a comeback. I've been here for years. <laughs> it is, I mean, it's somewhat of a comeback though. Yeah. Yeah, Mama said, pod you out. <laughs> <laughs> Just Great. thought I'd sneak in an LL Cool J reference yep. up the top of the show. Really timely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're out in the back patio here at Beef Station, risking being sucked into the cold vacuum of space. Yeah, we've decided to give you a. We, we've, you know, uh, to stave off the space madness, we've yeah. put on some um, some white noise tracks of <laughs> uh, birds chirping and some just some light construction. Yeah, so. yeah. The, the white noise track might have uh, audio of my housemates coming out eating <laughs> breakfast at some <laughs> yeah. point. That's just to that, make you feel more at home. It's all part of the, the white ship. noise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Uh, that would be such a psycho thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> just, just two people, your housemates recording a podcast, you just come out and start eating next to them. <laughs> oh, I, I thought that you meant correctly that it would be psycho to be recording, recording a podcast, a podcast here outside. If like, someone else is already here eating breakfast, just set up a like podcast. Last, <laughs> last night's day of winter, and they're like staring out the window, being like, I can't yeah. fucking believe they're podcasting today. Yeah. Not not like not in like my breakfast space. Fuck yeah! Not like oh, do you mind if I sit and eat just over here? It. Just like do you mind if I podcast over here? <laughs> <laughs> Is it alright if I pod here, man? <laughs> my uh, my housemate, um, I said like oh hey, just saying, so you know, I've uh, got someone over. We're going to record a podcast, and mm-hmm. she goes like oh, and I, and then I went oh, Andrew, and she goes oh the podcast. And I was like, yeah. That's and then nice. I was, and then, I, then I interrogated her because I was like, well, for half a second, you thought I had a second podcast. A random podcast. But I'd never mentioned and you didn't give a fuck about it. Or maybe she was, she thought you were guest appearing I, on someone else's podcast. I got a new know. podcast I'm doing and you showed no interest at all. What the fuck? <laughs> I need myself a housemate that's more supportive of my creative endeavors. Yeah, that's funny though that she she's like, she oh, like okay. oh, second podcast. Yeah, oh, cool. same old shit. Yeah, yeah great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's... Continuing his transition into a podcast. Lost so. track of how many podcasts this motherfucker has. Yeah, yeah exactly. Whatever. Uh, yeah, so here we are. Uh, we're outside. We're, g- uh, we're going to bring you our review of The Batman this week. Mm-hmm. Matt Reeves directed Robert Pattinson starring, starring as the caped crusader himself. Z- Zo- Zoe Kravitz. No, he's Batman. As Batman. Oh, right. <laughs> Robert Pattinson as Zoe we're a, Kravitz. We're in a fucked up little crop top balaclava, Ooh. which I... <laughs> Stop, Did stop not like it all. Stop <laughs> describing my outfit and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that, that's, the, that's the fashion segment of we're, the show. We're out here in crop tops and balaclavas <laughs> to record an episode of the pod. That would be very good stuff. <laughs> Belly's out. <laughs> yeah, just you can hear that, can't you? You can hear when the you know it, it's it's the kind of thing where it just changes the energy of the pod. Even if they don't mention it, you can sort of tell. You like, I think this is a bellies out episode. That's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yes, it's cold summer. Sp- is it spring, autumn. I'm literally watching leaves fall off a tree. It's I'm definitely like, is it spring? autumn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, springs where the leaves <laughs> fall and grow on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. All right. So here we are, Batman. We're going to bring you uh, a review of Batman later on in the show. We've got some other shit to catch you up on, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll launch into a bit of that first. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I better uh, open up my, my little fucking Your little telephone there. Letterboxed. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Can't All right. What I've watched. Uh, Don't have episodic memory after about three days. Good so. stuff. Uh, are, are you ready for uh, the, the news? Yes. Cool. Beef bullet. Right now, of course, the 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 news that is probably the most significant movie news that's happened in the last six to eight weeks since we've recorded is something that everyone is probably sick of talking about. But it would be remiss of us. Yeah, we definitely it. We we should have done an emergency episode, but by the time one of us fucking edited it, it was still going to be old news. So yes, yeah, our emergency episode is still coming. We just reviewed the Oscars ceremony. We haven't even done the Oscars. Yeah, fuck. All right. So obviously, the biggest piece of news is Oscars news, but fuck the actual awards. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Yeah, and I'm assuming that a hundred percent of people on the planet have heard like about this. Peak saturation so of this You issue. already know what it is. Were you watching it live? I was. What I, was that like? That was crazy because <laughs> I had the same reaction as everyone else where I was like, uh, he's getting up to do a bit or something. And then when he said that, because I, I didn't realize this, but Australians and Japan got the uncensored broadcast <laughs> in the States. They, they dumped the video and audio. So it just went to like a technical difficulties kind of screen or like yeah. an Oscars logo well, I've seen screen. Some, I've seen some clips where like the audio is muted. Right. And, and so when he said the F word, I was like, what the fuck just happened? Because I was like, "This you what like the, surely, you said what the f? Yeah, I said huh? what the freaking what the what the f- what, what in the f is this, dude? <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, this is uh crazy. This a- is and freaking nuts. And even after he slapped him, I was like, oh, that was weird as fuck. And I thought <laughs> he punched him. Yeah. And so I was kind of watching it, just being like, just really confused. And then when he's when he was yelling at him, I was like. Oh my fucking god! That was, was a real, real blow up. Like yeah. he just really fucking did that. Because for a second that you thought it was insane. like MTV Music Awards, uh, Music Video Awards, or whatever. Where it's like, oh, they have some sort of bucket bullshit scandal every year, and half of you is like, yeah, exactly. Stage, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, this is a weird. It's like a SNL type skit that just hasn't gone yeah. off very, good very stuff. well. And then realizing that, like, no, I'm I'm watching a man make one of the worst career decisions. Yeah. That I've ever seen on television. Crazy. And I, I listen to, I mean, we'll stop talking about this in a second. Yeah, uh, I know that everyone, but I just, I, I listen to lots of like podcasts with stand up comedians, and a lot of stand up comedians like respect Chris Rock uh, as like, you know, a funny man, an incredibly good stand up comedian. Mm. And they were like, imagine being a stand up comedian on any other stage and someone pulls that shit with you. Uh, you'd be going off at them for 15 minutes, pulling out like every single joke you've got about Will Smith. You, and you, you could, saw Chris Rock yeah, yeah, like, I, I, not do it. I listened to some comic <laughs> on a podcast where he was like, you see Chris Rock like load the gun. Yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, like, no, all right. No. Be the bigger man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he's like, he, you hear him like the mental Rolodex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Mm. Yeah, very, uh, so very good stuff. Most recent news story I have about this is that Will Smith's been banned from the uh, the Oscars for the next ten years. Yeah, uh, which uh, I've heard someone else say won't be very won't be very difficult for him at all because he managed to go about fifteen years without needing yeah, to go to the Oscars great. anyway. So, yep. <laughs> dude makes bad movies. Love him, 
worst Certainly. career decisions. You look yeah. at so, so many fucking movies. Like there's like hasn't he, in the last he turned down many years. Oh man, he turned down the Matrix to do some bullshit comedy western. Mm. Uh, he's done like so many shit movies, and he's always good in them. I think to be fair, nobody thought the Matrix was going to be good. Yeah, yeah, um, I, did, I did. Well, I did after I, I saw, saw it. it. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, wow, this is going to be great, and it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think. Um, what yeah, do you think, him bro? being banned. Uh, I I don't know. It's like you're against it, right? You you want him to be up there every year, slapping the shit out of everyone. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I think Chris Rock deserved it, man. No, <laughs> I, I I don't think so. I think it was an off color joke and a crazy reaction. Very um, very controversial of you. All right, I got I right. got another headline here. Well, no, what I was going to say, sorry, is right. um is just that uh like the Oscars fucking suck, and they're yeah. they're so hypocritical about this type of shit that I think it's funny that they finally decided to take action on someone. For yeah. Like, what was a relatively human interaction yeah. compared to, like, fucking a 13-year-old and being perfectly oh, yeah, let, happy to just, let like, Roman Polanski keep handing out Oscars. I mean, yeah. Then again, Roman Polanski can't even enter the fucking country. He, he technically can't, <laughs> but, um, but lots of other fucking rapists. Like, how many... Yeah. Harvey Weinstein has, like, 100-plus Oscars or something yeah, it's crazy. that he's received and they're not doing shit I mean, he's a, Harvey Weinstein's also technically not allowed to visit the Oscars. Now... Listen, I'm hearing your logic. I mean, I'm sure. Uh, I think I'm you're sure right. if he could get out, I'm sure if he broke out of prison to go to the Oscar ceremony, they'd probably have him. Yeah, yeah. Oh God. All right, here's another know. one. Anyway. I saw this headline a little while ago, uh, and um, I thought it was great because th- it, the story really buries the lead here. Mm-hmm. So, like, here's the headline: Robbie Williams biopic Better Man gearing up for Australia shooting in early 2022. Okay, right? Who yep. cares? Let me just read this article to you, and let me. Uh, Let's see if you can spot what I think that they might have left out. Okay. Robbie Williams' biopic Better Man is due to begin filming in Melbourne, Australia in early 2022. Makes sense. uh, Directed and co-written by Australian filmmaker Michael Gracie of The Greatest Showman fame, uh, the film will look into the experiences that shaped UK pop star Williams both on and off stage. As we first reported earlier this year, Williams will be portrayed by a CGI monkey in the film. The large-scale feature will film at Dockland Studios, Melbourne, Victoria, and will include an estimated 14 local... Sorry, just hang on one second. <laughs> uh, just, back, just back up. I, I, just, I just signed out for oh, a sorry. sec, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think uh, I misheard. Directed and something. co-written by Australian filmmaker Michael Gracie. Yep, yep. Yeah, uh, the film will look into the experiences that shape Robbie Williams, UK mm-hmm. pop star, yep, UK pop on stage yep. and off stage. Off stage, yep. Uh, Williams will be portrayed by a CGI monkey in the film. The film will be f- filming at Docklands in Melbourne. Docklands in Melbourne. Is that it? Or was mm. it the bit about how he's going to be played by CGI Monkey? Yeah, that is actually <laughs> what I'm getting caught up on. <laughs> like, what the fuck, right? And then the article doesn't mention the monkey again. They're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you guys are all over the fact That's, that the CGI... When was, this, mo- when was this put up? When was this put up? When was this put up? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, December 3rd, 2021. Okay, so not even close to an April 1st. There you go. How fucking nuts is That's that? That's crazy. What are they fucking talking about? <laughs> So I found another article where they they go into a bit better. Uh, Michael Gracie had previously hinted that the biopic would be out of the ordinary, telling Deadline in February, as for how we represent Robbie in the film, that bit is top secret. I want to do this in a really original way. I just want the audience to think, wow, I've never seen this before. (laughs) All I can say is that the approach is top secret, but the goal is to generate that feeling I just described. Uh, okay, I, I couldn't so really find very much about in? how the monkey comes in. Well, I suppose I suppose uh, his theory is that uh, the monkey is the unusual thing that people might not have seen before. Is this editorializing on behalf of whatever 
institution you pulled this article from where they're making a funny right, about well, if you just, uh, how it'll be portrayed. This doesn't make any sense. Like, there's no way that that's real. All right. right? Let, let me find another article. Okay. <laughs> I really didn't think I'd get much pushback on CGI Monkey playing Robbie Williams, but apparently you're skeptical. All right. These, it's at least going to cost millions of dollars, and I just have to know who signed off on if that's <laughs> if that's the approach. Who signed off on it? Because Dude, that is insane. It's impossible to get any more information than that. That's that, that's pretty much I all we're getting. I assume that that cannot be true, but stay tuned. That's what we're getting. And, he wants um, to be really original CGI monkey. Uh, he just wants people to see shit they've never seen before. And, uh, and it's a fantastical story. He wants to represent its harsh reality uh, in, with moments of pure fantasy. Okay, so he's doing Bohemian Rhapsody or whatever again. But with a CGI monkey. Yeah. Yes. Honest, honestly, couldn't find... I don't know whether I couldn't find any more information or whether I just gave up finding information pretty quickly because of my fucking it's okay. it sounds like TikTok-riddled brain. More to come on that later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, here's one. A Predator prequel movie, Prey... <laughs> will be set in the Great Plains in 1719. Oscar's doing his vocal warm-ups, and then he's going to read this latest article. <laughs> predator Prey. Predator Prey. <laughs> predator Prequel Prey. What was the thing you said after that? It kind of had a good cadence uh, as well. <laughs> predator Prequel Prey will be set in the Great Plains in 1719. <laughs> Great. I don't know even know what the Great Plains is. What is that? Uh, is that like... I don't know either, actually. Mexico? Or like yeah. Arizona or something like that? Apparently, it's going to have a tone that's more akin to The Revenant than it does any other film in the Predator canon. <laughs> what? It's like a 17... I mean, you can okay. see the, you can see the, the screen... Sh- the, 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 the still there is like oh, someone shit, with a bone arrow. Sick. With like a Predator off in the Yeah, and, and it's like Predator is like silhouetted by mist in the background of this person that's got a yeah, bow yeah. and arrow from like guess, the 1700s America. I guess I Great Plains is like America. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So That yeah, actually... Could be cool. I so obviously Predator Shane Black a little problematic, but I did enjoy why how why is Shane Black problematic? Oh, because he cast his friend who was like a convicted rapist or something in his film. Yeah. Um, but uh, I liked uh, I liked the latest Predator movie quite a bit for how fucking stupid it was. It was very silly, it and was I think stuff. it was quite self aware. So I assume that this is not directed by Shane Black, but <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll see. I I like Predator as a IP. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy asked to play the lighthouse uh, mermaid character, <laughs> but the director said this no. Just horny for Rob Patterson. <laughs> you should really not be playing this particular mermaid, Anya. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's so funny. Speaking of animation... Is it because of the... I'm assuming on account of the giant fish vagina. He was like, Maybe, no, we really yeah. need an actress <laughs> who's not... Going to be worried about this we have being to, a staple of their career. I, honestly, I don't have. To, I don't want to have to worry about casting an Anya Taylor Joy vagina double. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that fussy was like very visceral. <laughs> so I don't. I can. I, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. She was uh, talking about. I, I guess she's. Uh, I guess she was talking about uh, the fact that she's worked with him uh, on the Northman and the Witch. Yeah. yeah so uh, the yeah, Northman's she's in the Northman. So, right. Yeah. She said, "Quite." I felt very lucky that Rob and I uh, love each other so much, and he wanted to wanted me to continue along on this journey. I was jumping at it because when he first called me, I was like, "Hey, I'm making the lighthouse, and there's no role for you. There's a mermaid." And I said, "Oh, I want to be that mermaid." And he said, "Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just uh, I'll show you the script, and I think yeah, you'll, yeah. I think you'll agree with me. <laughs> you know what I need to do with this mermaid? Yeah, um, good stuff." So, you know, cool. uh, she dodged a bullet I'm there, glad they've so still got a good working relationship. It's funny, I've heard, because like famously Anya Taylor-Joy talks about how after she watched The Witch, she 
was extremely upset because she felt like she'd ruined it. Oh damn! Um, because I've never of seen it. How she, it's good. Yeah. Um, it's not as good as the lighthouse, and the lighthouse is a, is a, is a comedy. Right. Um, whereas the witch is not a comedy lighthouse at all. Comedy. Yeah, it's fucking funny. It's, it's funny. like absurd. It's, it's more like it's a funny. thrillery, psychological kind of thing. It is, but it's also very funny. Yeah, like you're meant to be laughing. Um, um, but uh, um, Rob uh, Eggers also has talked about how Eggers. he can basically not watch The Witch because he was like, uh, I can't remember exactly what the headline was, but it was something like, or the the quote, but it was like, um, I wasn't ready to make, I wasn't ready to make it, and I didn't know how to get <laughs> what was in my head onto the into the camera. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting that like despite the wasn't fact ready that to make it like he didn't have a script prepared. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but you know what I mean? Like I think he was like that was probably too ambitious, but also like it was incredibly critically acclaimed and I think it's very interesting that um two of the key people involved in that have come out and said like Ooh, fuck that one up. You know, right. really could have done a better job on uh, that. Maybe and like it's like, it's incredibly good. Yeah. Maybe um, it's just that when you're too close to a project, like when you work on something for so long, you can't even really see it. And then you yeah. get like an external and I think fresh when you're, pair of eyes on something. When you're being bold enough early enough in your career, it's good to feel that way, actually. Um, I think you should, you like, you need to have confidence. And he clearly did have confidence and so did she to achieve what they achieved. But I think it's, it's like a... You're not doing something wrong because you feel that way. You know right. what I mean? I don't think he should have not been as ambitious as the solution to that problem. You know? I yeah, think it's just yeah, a way yeah. that you're going to feel. So, anyway, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to go quickly through the... I, I was going to suggest we go read quickly through the Oscars and talk about any of the standouts. Yeah, yeah. But I realize that we don't... What, what, what the fucking uh, Indie Boy ones as well? Independent Spirit Awards? Oh, the Spirit Awards. Yeah, sure. Do you want to pull let's those up? Let's blast through. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll do, I'll do the Oscars and just maybe we don't have to read all of them out. Why? Why will you do the Oscars? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I've already have that one up. Oh, okay. uh, it's not because your name. And it's them. my name. Yep. Thank uh, you. But I, I don't know. I'm worried we're going to be reading out 30 awards. So maybe just t- t- uh, have a look and see if there's any independent spirit awards that sort of spring out. To yeah, you. I'll go for the I'll go for the main ones. Cool. Um, do uh, you, best, do you, best picture for the was Coda, which is not a movie I've heard of. I have not seen. Laura's seen it. She liked it. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm keen. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's on Apple. I've seen it on like uh, some sort of a- Apple Plus streaming thing. Yeah. Uh, best director Jane Campion. Uh, that's cool, for Power of the Dog. Yeah, and she's uh, she's a New Zealander. Cool to have a, a New Zealander being wrapped. I've heard the Power of the Dog is cool. And it's got like a real westerny, slow kind of vibe to mm. it. So I'm I'm keen to see it. But the, with the amount that has been described about how slow and moody it is, I'm just not like not like jumping out of my chair to do it. Sure. Best actor, obviously Will Smith, King Richard, an insanely uh, tense, God weird damn, moment that on is the so night. When he, uh, sorry to keep talking about it. When he won, I was like. You couldn't write this. Yeah. This is too... It's sick. Like, what they talk about, you know, torturing your characters when you're writing a script. Like, you, yeah. you have to love your characters, and that's why it's hard when you torture them as much as possible. Yeah. And I thought, I couldn't imagine a better arc than, like, having a weakest... One of the weakest moments you can have as a person... And like it, it, doing something horrifically your- embarrassing yeah. in front of like one of the largest audiences on the planet, and then, and then forced to have your moment of triumph fifteen minutes right after, after that, that, completely tainted. Crazy, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I you're couldn't right. it's fucking insane. believe it. And my favorite thing to think about was there's a select number of people that <laughs> after he slapped him knew that he was going to win. And they could, he couldn't Between be kicked out. Between the period yeah. of time. Yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, security being like, should we fucking remove this guy <laughs> from the building? They're like, no, he's going to win and we can't pick a new <laughs> fucking winner. 
Like, should we just read out number two? Like, they could just no, be like, you can't just read out number two. Here's the envelope. Don't read the name on the envelope. Read the new. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> read number two. Do not that's read it. number one. Like, just say Javier Bardem being the Ricardo. Well, they don't, don't rate about. them, right? They're, I guess that's stupid. They can't rank number two, so they just have they to like pick one. <laughs> yeah. cap- captain's call. That's just so fucking funny, man. I just yeah. there would have been like you know computers bursting into flames <laughs> and shit. That's I just I would have paid Fuck. any amount of money to hear the audio of all of the Oscars ceremony producers. Extremely good Between stuff. those two things. Uh, anyway, okay. Jessica, Jessica Chastain. I love Jessica Chastain. I had never heard of this movie that she was in, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah, uh, it's based on it. a true story, right? I guess so. I don't know. I believe so. 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 Uh, supporting actor is someone that was in Coda. Supporting actress mm. was someone that was in West Side Story. Oh, yeah. The, the guy that movies. was in... Because Coda's about... I think it's actually the, an acronym for a type of sign language, isn't it? Um, uh, I, th- I think I saw sign language stuff, so I assume that they were like deaf characters. That, that, yeah, it is. Movie, yeah, yeah, it's about it's about a par- uh, mo- mother and father who have a, a son, I believe, that yeah. no, a daughter that is hearing. Yeah, so it's right. about the tension that it causes, um, which is interesting, I think, because you would like the the default shape of that story. I assume would be two parents who the story is about yeah. that have a deaf child, and it's about them learning to, you know, like Quiet Place. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That is cool. Um, but I'll I think it's it. really interesting having the the kid be the one that has the ability to hear, and then having the friction come from them in their coming of age story, while their parents are battling, probably like through no justification, yeah. feelings of inadequacy or difficulties with bonding with their kid or whatever. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Well, so that one best best supporting actor for Troy Kotzer. Coda also won best adapted screenplay, uh, so it's based on some French. Film, I guess. Uh, mm. Best supporting actress was Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. I don't know why the fuck anyone cares about Steven Spielberg's that 2022 adaptation of West Side Story. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I sp- I, I'm sure she's good in it, but f- I don't know. Fuck. Make a different movie. Uh, original screenplay was Belfast. I enjoyed Belfast. I, I definitely think it was quite saccharine, and I wouldn't say that it was like an incredible screenplay, but I can definitely see why this would win It's in terms of it being like a very like from the heart passion piece yeah i uh, i haven't seen it um i know you said am, your friend laurie didn't like it i, I i'm irritated by uh, kenneth branner <laughs> yeah um so and i haven't seen it i'm sure it was well written but i also do feel like i would have been a lot happier to see one or two of the other story uh nominees well, other nominees for that I mean, one other nominees worst person, in the world uh, nominated worst person in the world licorice pizza king richard and don't look up out of those i, I loved worst person in the world uh, would have yeah, loved to have seen that win, yeah. but whatever. Licorice Pizza apparently was very well I still written see too, that, but man, yeah, I really have to. As um, well. Animated feature film Encanto, international yep. film Drive My Car. I don't know if we talked. I think we did talk about this in the pod briefly, but we both. Yeah. We both, I think I was a bit cold on it just because of the the, the, the overall sort of. Pa- I was pacing shocked it. that it won. Yeah. Um, but it's also one of those stories that's it's a little like Birdman, where it's based on like you know it's about a. a film director like moving into the theater yeah um and uh i think i don't know they seem to do quite well in hollywood and i think all of those films that are about the creative process of directing yeah they end up doing quite quite well but i i I probably would have picked worst person in the world that was the only other one we saw very poetic um it's but a it, weird pick. Yeah. It's a very I'm I'm I, I think it probably does deserve yeah. to win, but also um, I'm shocked that it did. Yeah, me too. Uh, best doc, I think it's probably the last one I'll mention. Oh, yeah, b- yeah. Before we go through all the ones that Dune got, I think it's the last one I mentioned. <laughs> yeah, uh, best- before we before we go through how Dune absolutely swept. Yeah. yeah. Uh, best documentary feature was Summer of Soul, which is something I really want to see. It's a doco mm. that Questlove directed, um, and it's all this. I don't know if we talked about it before, but it's all this lost footage from this uh, cultural, like a. Uh, 
black cultural festival that happened in New York in like 1969 where like Stevie Wonder and all these huge black American soul performers perform. And it was like the same year as Woodstock. Right. And no one talks about it. Right. So it was and like Woodstock was, like, was the white and... I, I, I guess so. But it was like, I think like Nina Simone... So you got Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> Nina Simone and like Stevie Wonder performing at the scene. It was all these huge performers and it mm. was this apparently big thing. Uh, and they have all these interviews with like people that were there but like now being like, oh, I'm, it's crazy to see this footage. I thought I'd fucking like imagined this. Like, right. Because it's, it's like, just lost to Because like no one really... Time. Yeah. No one really talks about it. And it was like dwarfed by all the other 60s cultural oh, stuff cool. that was happening. Yeah. And it's apparently, apparently incredible. Okay. Um, um, other stuff that we th- talk about uh, Dune won Best Original Score That's Hans Zimmer's first Oscar Since like 1993 yeah, f- now, The Lion the, King or something The Lion King Think about how many fucking Hans Zimmer scores you've heard He does like two a year yeah, or some never shit Never won an Oscar and for any of the People love Hans Zimmer I actually crazy. think he does some of the most Like people I feel like people say his stuff all sounds the same It yeah. doesn't Go and listen to different Like some. sometimes he's using similar instruments but yeah. he manages to create, for the amount of work that he puts out, I think he's actually a genius. Like, he manages to create yeah, such an incredible uh, range. And he, the way that he thinks about, like, from the ground up, he's like, we're starting with nothing. What do I want this to sound like? Yeah, and the dude's score was sick. Uh, it was amazing. You... So, I think well-deserved. But I also couldn't believe it that it was his first one since yeah. The Lion King. It's crazy. Like, fucking insane. Lion King's a good score as well. And also, there aren't really many hands, there aren't many, many score songs on The Lion King. Like, The Lion King has, like... I I think four or five. No, maybe he composed. Did he compose and Elton John wrote the lyrics? Elton John wrote the music for the Elton John songs. Right, okay. Tim, some dude named Tim Rice wrote the lyrics. Right, okay. And so the half of the songs are like, if you go to Spotify, half of the songs on the Spotify album are Elton John songs. Yeah, right. And then the other half are like Hans Zimmer scores. So maybe there's more score in the movie. Whatever. The point is, mm. I went back to listen to it and there's like one iconic one, the This Land one, where it's like... And you see like the camera, so it doesn't matter. Forget yeah, it. We'll yeah, cut yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can layer in the music. Yeah. Uh, best, it also won for best sound mm-hmm. and best production design. And oh, best I'm so glad it won best production design and best film editing. So it, it didn't win and best for visual best, effects. It didn't win. Yeah, best VFX was. I was gonna lose my fucking mind if anything mm. else won for best VFX because Dune looked real. Like it and like that mm. that that word gets thrown around a lot when it comes yeah. to VFX. A lot of VFX look good but not real. This, Dune looked this real. This looked like they like stumbled across the world fully formed and yeah. just turned a camera. Like on. they made great. an ornithopter yeah. that flies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's crazy. Um, uh, it didn't so, win for costume design. Cruella did, but it did win for production design, and I think it should have won for costume design. I so thought the probably. costumes in Cruella were f- uh, cool, fine. I don't know. I don't really. I watched like half of Cruella. I thought the costumes yeah. were cool. It's a oh, the costume designer thing. for. Um, uh, I watched the whole thing. I don't remember. I believe the costume designer for Dune also did Mad Max Fury Road or something, or right. or, or, something or she was like one that. for Cruella. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway. Anyway. Uh, that's probably all the Oscars. Did you see anything for the Spirit Awards? Uh, There's some interesting stuff. Jumped out to I'll, you. I'll blast through. Yeah. I feel like if it's loads of movies we haven't heard of, maybe let's not. No, no, no. It's there's lots of ones we have. Cool. Um. Sorry, I just accidentally reloaded the page. Okay, Bitch. here we go. Best feature went to The Lost Daughter with Maggie uh, Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal? Gyllenhaal? <laughs> I think it is actually that. It's it's like Gyllenhaal or something. Best yeah. first feature <laughs> is a cool fucking award. It's a great award. Yeah, yeah. so that went to um, Seven Days, directed by Roshan Seti. I, I haven't he- never heard of them. What else have they directed? I haven't heard of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. You almost Googled them. I, I haven't heard of uh, Seven Days other than in... in Talk about this. Great. Uh, Next. So yeah, I'm not sure. Best director also went to Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh wow! Um, I didn't know she directed it. 
yeah, 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 best screenplay. Yeah. Oh, what is this movie? And best screenplay, The Lost Order. So yeah, I'm um I'm interested. I think I feel like Laura saw it and was surprised that it got made basically because the right. script is very strange and the pacing of the film. It's one of those films that covers a lot of time, I believe, in the same period. Right. Um, when you Google the Lost Daughter, the first question is, "What was the point of the Lost Daughter?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those, <laughs> one of those kinds of movies. So I think it's interesting yeah. that it won so much. Best first screenplay was fucking Pig, dude. Uh, Pig deserves to get best rules. first feature. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not that I've seen Seven Days, but Pig was a fucking awesome movie. Um, so best first screenplay went to Pig. Yeah, there yeah. was an interview with Nick Cage recently where he talked about Pig being. Oh no, it was an AMA he did yeah, on Reddit. Yeah, I read it. And. Um, and he believes that Pig might be the best thing he's ever done, which it's so I That's, could, it's, it's could get behind. Such yeah. a lovely thing for him to say. Oh, to this it's guy. awesome! Yeah. I really people should if people still have the. I mean, we've talked a little bit about him, and the Total Reboot guys did a great series on Nick Cage. But if people still think that he's like a clown, yeah. Number one, go and read this AMA that he does because. Yeah. Um, he, c- he comes across as very thoughtful and he very is so like, thoughtful and insightful. And, yeah. yeah, he's also made some terrible fucking decisions, but yeah. like, yeah, really, I really like the guy. Okay, so this is, this yeah. is another interesting award, the John Cassavetes Award, which is given <laughs> they to just the give it to John Cassavetes <laughs> yeah, every, every year. year. <laughs> <laughs> um, given to the best feature film made for under five hundred thousand dollars, so their budget limit, cool. which is really cool, uh, and that went to Shiver Baby, which we did an episode. Oh, on. that was a sick movie. Yeah, it also. Horrifying that it got made for yeah. five hundred thou because like <laughs> gets to gets to fucking week two of the shoot and everyone's starving because they're at four nine 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 of the budget. Uh, yeah, like, can I, I get think a sandwich, they, please. I think they would literally <laughs> have been um have been doing like I think they just had a very short shooting period that was all in one location basically. Shiver, so. ba- Shiver baby, if you all haven't seen it, is really cool. It's worth watching. It's like an it's a tight ninety minute movie that all takes place in like one house at like a funeral wake. With, it's like it opens elsewhere, but yeah, it's it's pretty much all in this one place. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, it's like a shiver, which is like a mourning ceremony. Yeah, this um, young woman does sex work, but none of her conservative Jewish family know that she does. Yeah, uh, there's all sorts of insane. It's one of the most tense movies I've ever seen. It's really it's it's funny as hell. It's worth seeing. Yeah, and one of her clients shows up to this shiver right. that she's stuck <laughs> at, and so she and she's told them lies, and she's told her family lies, and then they start talking. Yeah, so it's yeah. very really good stuff, but <laughs> very stressful. Oh yeah, <laughs> really good, very funny. But yeah, um, so it was directed by Emma Seligman. Um, best male lead went to Simon Rex in Red Rocket, no. which I haven't seen. I, I missed Zola, but that was best female lead was for Taylor Page in Zola, cool. and apparently that was quite good. Best supporting male Old also went again. to Troy Kotzer from Coda, Coda, so that was uh, he got the the double there. Best supporting female was Ruth Negger in Passing, which I no. haven't seen or heard much about. Best cinematography was also for Passing. Uh, best editing was for Zola. Best international film also Drive My Car. Best doco also Summer of Soul, Summer of baby. Soul. I really want to see Summer of Soul. Uh, Robert Altman Award given to one film's director, casting director, and ensemble cast. That's so I cool. think it's an interesting. This is why I like the Spirit Awards because they actually it's so much more of a filmmaking perspective like on, thoughtful, on how the awards yeah. go. That Sucks that to, we haven't heard of these movies. <laughs> yeah, that went to Mass by Fran Kranz, which I haven't really heard anything about. Right. Um, Are there any others that jump out at you there? I am just scrolling through. They've got quite a few, um, and I can't really see. They've got awards for scripted series. Squid Game won best male performance in a scripted series. Oh, cool. 
Uh, Reservation Dogs is winning a few awards, uh, but I, I haven't I'll, seen any of it. I reckon we'll have to go through that list. Speaking yeah. of Nick Cage, we have to watch The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yeah, That's I'm in very cinemas keen at the moment. Seems very silly. That's the one where Nick Cage plays himself and he like gets kidnapped by the mob or something. I, I, I haven't. I can't quite remember what the plot it's of that ba- is. It's meant to be kind of based in the real world, yeah. By the way, the costume designer for Corella also did the costume design for Mad Max Fury Road, which had wow. sick fucking costume design. For some reason, it makes me feel better when an award <laughs> when someone wins an award for a film where I think it should have been a different film that won, but they did something that I really loved. You're like, I'm ah, like, they got it, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of for Mad Max, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, all um, right, all right. okay. I think that's probably it for the news. Do you want to yeah. launch into a bit of, a bit of beef and pleasure? Yeah, cool. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. What music? Thank you. What music? What music? <laughs> what music? What good music? That there, that music we just listened to. <laughs> that music we good both heard. Music. Just then was great. Uh, so, Bigness of Pleasure, it's a movie, uh, the movie segment, the segment of this podcast about movies, <laughs> where uh, we, we spend a fair amount of the segment podcast. Segment movie. <laughs> we, we spend a fair amount of the podcast talking about the official movie of the show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've, we, we've spent some time for the last couple of months doing stuff other than playing Elden Ring. Mostly play <laughs> yeah, Elden Ring. Barely, but yeah. But there's been some stuff we've watched. Some I've stuff also played Gran Turismo. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've, got, I've got something I thought was cool that I want to talk about. Yep. Uh, I wanted to see what you thought about it. Uh, uh, and then you got something maybe? So, so here's, here's what I got. So uh, I watched this Apple TV Plus series called Severance. Yeah, you're not allowed to tell me a single fucking thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you um, a... I, The more that I've heard about this, the more I really need to go into it. Hello, my name is Mark S. And I have, of my own free accord, elected to undergo the procedure known as severance. I give consent to sever my memories between my work life and my personal life. I acknowledge that once the procedure is complete, I will be unable to access my personal memories whilst on the severed floor. Say gratitude. Nor will I retain work memories. Hey. Sorry. When I return home at the end of the day. I make these statements freely. Hi kids. What's for dinner? We warned you. About the greeting? You were kidding. We hate it. How many reasons did we come up with? Eight. Good morning. Hi, Mr. Milchak. Mark, could I have a word? Petey is no longer with this company. I'm sorry, Mark. You guys are one of my favorite office friendships. What happened? We'd love to tell you, but unfortunately, non-disclosure policy forbids. I confer upon you the advanced role of department chief. Congratulations. A handshake is available upon request. Thank you. May I have a handshake? friends i'm your best friend nothing is what they say 
I used to think it would take a monster to put someone in a place like that office. Especially if the person was himself. If you want to know what's going on down there, you'll find the beginning of a very long answer. What's happening? It's it's so cool. It's worth, so, no spoilers, but I I just finished the first season, which is like uh, it's like eight or nine episodes or something. It's 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 a short season, but all the all the episodes are like an hour long, so there's a fair a fair chunk to get through there. Yeah. Um, Adam Scott stars as the main character who works at this company where to get the job you have to have a brain chip put in, and the company is like a big Google kind of tech company. Tech company. Um, and when you have this chip in, as soon as you go into the elevator and down to this level where all these chipped people work, uh, something flips over in your brain and you can't remember what your life is like outside of the office at all. Mm. And when you're outside the office, you can't remember what your job is at all. So you're essentially split into two memories. Yeah. yeah. And so you can't... And so it, someone who was... Someone, when I described this before, someone was like, oh, did, like, do you need a degree then? Can you remember your degree? Like, I, I, don't, don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's a really good question. Yeah. So like people like... <laughs> but what's interesting is that the that's way the so show funny. immediately explores all these aspects that I would never have thought about, like the implications of that. Like the idea that you are the product of your memories and experiences mm. means that for the people inside... They're kind of when when your memories flip over, you kind of become a different person. Yeah, totally. Yeah, they're completely different people, and they go like, "Oh, I wonder what my outie is like. I wonder if my outie is a nice person. I right. wonder if my outie because you could be like a psychopathic CEO because you yeah. know that's what you need to be. Yeah, and then at home you're like a set. You know, well, yeah, exactly. Dad, but like you're like a nice guy because yeah. you have no need to be a psycho. Yeah, dad. exactly. Or like you're like, oh, I wonder like if my outie has kids. I wonder mm. if my outie has a, has a partner. Because like, uh, they literally know nothing They know nothing about their outside world uh, And th- there's a whole bunch of really interesting stuff Where they speculate about that um, The fact that they become different people Means that when someone goes in the elevator And goes down to the the severed floor mm. um, the, the people that work on that floor Feel like they live there and never leave They're always in the office for 100% of their entire life But they're aware that that happens, right? Or are they not aware? They are aware that they're severed Yes And they're aware that they have this chip And that the memories flip over But they've never experienced anything other than yeah, like, That part of their personality Has it's never experienced anything other than the office Wow, that's interesting Which is crazy And so like There's some people that are just happy with the office And the perks And they get like a fucking pancake down Friday And if they get enough points They get little office rewards There are some people that just grind through the office And are really happy with that life And then other people in the office And then what the main focus of the show is about Is people inside Trying to work out what the fuck is happening outside And like what this company does Because their work is kind of segmented It's one of those things they're where siloed. like yeah. They're siloed Fuck, they're just This like, sounds like so much my shit It's I just, so cool I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm, This might be the first thing I watch after It's great Yeah And oh, then um, This is I would Like I'm doing a, a lot of writing at the moment and yeah. um, I'm not I, I feel like so I love sci-fi but I'm like straying away from sci-fi concepts because you need something so fucking strong well, like this is this. so original it's and like it's Black Mirror yeah like, this feels like a Black Mirror kind of thing yeah. and so the other half of the show oh. is the people the people outside trying to work out what happens inside the company so that was my question is whether or not you see so so if, if someone's in the if you see someone in the office yeah. you follow them in their office ostensibly for unless and, well, until the main, a twist or something the main character is Adam Scott so yes. Adam Scott Character is who you see inside and outside. It follows him basically. So there's like there's some other stuff. 
stuff you see inside and outside from other characters, but like ma- the main thing is Adam Scott. But you see him exist in both. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay, so and that's so not like, like a reveal. No, and it, but it tells you this in the first episode. Yeah, so yeah. This isn't a spoiler. The premise is that Adam Scott chose to get this job because his wife died. And oh, okay. he can't stop thinking about his dead wife. And so it's a beneficial thing for him. And so, yeah, but it means that like every single day he arrives like crying into the car park and like is crying getting in the elevator and then the switch flips and his like inside self is like dum, 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 dum. and he's like wonder- wondering <laughs> he's like, why, why he's got, got like a tears on, tears his, on his face and why he's got Fuck. like a sodden tissue in his pocket. Like, it's cool. I won't talk too much God about damn, it. God damn, that it's, is such a fucking cool It's concept. a cool, it's a cool I... idea. Um, oh yeah, and directed by Ben Stiller, Directed by, by Ben way. Stiller. I think he's Holy directed shit. And, and the show Elf 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 McCardle maybe I don't know the show Aifa. the show Aifa. looks great as well by the way it's got this really cool yeah, yeah. S- kind of aesthetic where it's all a bit of a 60s 70s inspired <laughs> inside of the you, office I reckon you dig Maniac man it's a that show with Jonah Hill like and that. Emma Stone it kind of it kind of a yeah. lot of the stuff like, like like the computers they use are these old like green dot matrix CRT, dot CRT matrix things yeah, fuck, it's yeah. sick oh, so that's yeah, Severance I'm definitely going in that's it's great it. you gotta watch it, it. Uh, oh by the way a lot of people might not know almost certainly at some point in your life listener you have accidentally picked up a free opportunity for an Apple TV subscription <laughs> sort of trip over them <laughs> walking home if you buy any Apple so, product you get a year for yep. free if you get a P- PS5 I got like six months for free on PS5 I'm sure yeah. there's offers through Telstra as well mm. I believe so yeah you, you check you probably got one somewhere <laughs> Yeah, um, that's how I, I opened up Apple TV and it was like, oh, you've got six months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck, okay. Um, yes, so I would, I'm, I'm going to go in on that. And yeah, it's I, sick. You'll love it. I would it. recommend I, I, you too. I'm keen to hear what you think about it, man. I want to do like a It's a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's great. Um, okay, I'll be brief. I watched a film that came out a little while ago, 2017. It's called First Reformed. I've decided to keep a journal to set down all my thoughts and the simple events of my day. I will keep this diary for one year. And at the end of that time, it will be destroyed. I encouraged my son to enlist. It was a family tradition. Six months later, he was dead in Iraq. I was lost. But since the reading of the Lord, praise be God. So how are you? Oh, I'm fine. No, really. It's been a while since we've talked. Even a pastor needs a pastor. Did you see the doctor? You need someone to take care of you. I want you to be happy. I know that nothing can change, and I know there is no hope. Reverend Toller? Yes, Mary? You must come over. You must come over now. Explosives. She was becoming someone I didn't know. Opportunistic diseases, anarchy, martial law. You will live to see this. You had no idea that he was thinking of. No. I'm so frightened. These kids, they want certainty. You know, don't think, follow. They fall prey to extremism. It's a world without hope. No, I have not lost my faith. we did together was a sin. I've seen enough real sin to know the difference. You didn't tell the police, right? Take a look at your own life before you criticize others. These are frightening times. We have to be patient. Well, somebody has to do something. Are you I write these lines. Are you washed in the blood of the 
for what we've done to this world. Who can know the mind of God? Can we just cut here just to upset Pat? <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny. Friend Holy of the show, shit. Pat, has been trying to get Andrew to watch this movie for the better part of the last three years. Yep. And I think it's like me with the Irishman, where at some point you're like, you know what? Just not going Yeah, on. it's going to be funny if I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and at a point, I will have gotten enough mileage out of not doing yeah. it that it will outweigh the benefit that yeah. I would have gotten yeah. from watching the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so, not true. Fuck you, watch the Irish. What is this movie? <laughs> what was the best bit about okay, it? Okay, so it was directed by... So, an interesting bit of context. It was directed by Paul Schrader, who wrote Taxi Driver and Raging Bull oh, wow. uh, back in the fucking 70s. Did he write for First Reformed as well? Scorsese. He wrote and directed First Reformed. I so love a writer some ways, Yes. So in some ways, this is... I think it was... He, it's not his first directing opportunity. He's directed quite a lot. Right. But um, I think it's his biggest directing opportunity thus far. He's also directing the card... Or he directed the card counter with Oscar Isaac. I've heard that's it, good as um, well. Which, so yeah, is apparently quite so good. So this one's about Ethan Hawke? Yes, it's about Ethan Hawke. So the uh, logline on Letterboxd is, a pastor of a small church in upstate New York starts to spiral out of control after a soul-shaking encounter with an unstable environmental activist and his pregnant wife. So Ethan Hawke is the pastor and Amanda Seyfried is the... Uh, the, the young lady that comes to him and says, my husband is um, incredibly depressed. He, he uh, can't shake the doom of climate change. What's that like? And he's an atheist. Um, but I w- I'm wondering if he, he actually kind of, w- I'm wondering if you can talk to him. Um, and he, I think he respects you. And so there's a really great conversation that these two characters have. Oh, cool. Um, I, the guy that plays the... Uh, environmental activist is not someone I'd heard of before, Philip Edinger. No. Um, anyway, it's a pretty small movie and clearly, like, you know, it's not high budget. It um, sounds like it's a slow, moody, talky kind of movie. Yes, I would compare it to uh, Ghost Story. Um, uh, I haven't seen that. No, but uh, hopefully some other people Can you compare it to a movie advice. I have seen? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually not easy to compare the tone, I think, because. It's very so. The kind of one of the uh, through lines is Ethan Hawke is writing a journal, and he he's he starts at like at the opening of the movie. I think he sort of says, "I'm going to write in this journal every day for a year, and then I'm going to burn the journal." Burn. Um, so it's like his way I'm of um, uh, externalizing some thoughts and, and doing a bit of like therapy, I suppose. And I guess the the hook, without giving too much away, is that um, he's. As much as he's trying to um, uh, work with this young man who is so depressed about the current state of things, the question of like, how can we possibly be acting in God's best interests if we're destroying his creation kind of starts to really get its hooks into yeah, it. I and he had, has uh, trouble letting go of it. So yeah, cool. um, I think I it's really this. fantastic. Unbelievably good performances by both... Uh, Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried. I, I I liked Ethan Hawke. The thing I've seen him most in is Boyhood. Um, he's so good, man. And a, and a few other things, but he's really fucking great. And especially yeah. in this, you get so much time with him. Have you seen him in the um, Before Sunset, Before Sunrise movies? No, I haven't. He's really good. Um, no, because yeah, he's like he and Linklater work together quite a bit, right? Yeah. Um, he's also in The Northman, by the way. So the, he's. I feel like he's having a really... Not that he ever really stopped working, but he's having a resurgence he's of doing some yeah. really good shit. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, it's it's cool. It's a really interesting little film. It's only 113 minutes long, so not that long. Mm. Um, 
Got a great aspect ratio, very well filmed. <laughs> and It looks like you're reading down the specs of the movie. <laughs> no, it's what stuck with me because it's very stylistic, but, right. it, but it's still quite restrained. And it does... Uh, um, there's a particular sequence in it where um, it's one of those films where it, you think it's a certain type of film and then it just does something in the, uh, I would liken it to worst person in the world when the entire yeah, world freezes. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. like, it doesn't happen again. It completely breaks the reality of the film right. and then returns to its own reality. But the character, the, the way that that affects the characters that it happens to is fundamental going oh, forward. Oh, cool. It it's re- really fucking great. cool. I'll really good. Watch it. Really strong direction. So yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. That's first reformed. So, I rented it through YouTube. Cool. Oh, great. Okay. Well, see, Pat, when you wanted to convince me to watch it, that's what you should have said. <laughs> yeah, that's all you needed to say, brother. Yeah. Now he's going to go in. Okay, cool. Idiot. Um, right. Moving wanna, on to the main feature. Do you want to listen to the trailer for The Batman? Sounds good. Fear is a tool. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a goal. It's a warning. Wow, what a trailer. Great trailer. Gr- good trailer. <laughs> I sure hope we don't reiterate any I of the information. I've never seen it. <laughs> I see it's going to be lots of like... Yeah. Although it, it'll have the soundtrack, which was good. Soundtrack was good. Um, yeah, that's... that's Okay, that'll do. Um, that's that's the Batman. So the Batman, uh, directed by Seven. Matt Reeves, who I'd never really heard of, but he's most famous for doing a few of the Planet of the Apes, the new Planet of the Apes movies, which are apparently good. Uh, I have seen all of them. I re- watched them recently, and yes, they are good. Right. Um, yeah. Cool. I there think there's go. some interesting parallels between the way that those films are approached and the way that the Batman is approached. Right. So I thought this was great. Uh, that's my review. No. Uh, <laughs> 
It's got Robert, do. Robert Pattinson as the titular Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zoe Kravitz plays Catwoman, essentially. Uh, Paul Dano plays the Riddler. Colin Farrell is the Penguin. Mm-hmm. Whole bunch of other people in there. John Turturro is like a, like a gangster kind of guy. John Turturro, goddamn! Like this cast is actually awesome. Andy Serkis is yeah. Alfred. Good ass. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright is Gordon. As, uh, it's uh, Gordon. So good. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, my first impression, uh, seeing this coming out, was like. Uh, I don't need another Batman movie. Yeah, same. Christopher Nolan's Batman is great. That's like the gritty, realistic Batman that I need, uh, that I like. I don't need anything else. I thought the protagonist this- that you, not the what's the quote? Not the protagonist yeah. that you deserve, but the one you want, or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. I think that's it. <laughs> uh, but man, uh, this movie was uh, similar to the Nolan one, but also completely different and original, uh, and like moody in a way that I think I almost prefer. I How would you say it was movie. similar to the Nolan film? So I guess that's, that's I, and I suppose the reason that we're talking about it that way is because shut the fuck up while I preface the question more. <laughs> um, is that I guess uh, it's hard to separate out these films from the other ones that exist. I was mm. listening to an interview by Pattinson where he, um, Matt Reeves told him like, "Don't watch all the rest of them," yeah. and he was like, "Buddy, I've already seen all of the other ones." You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, I can't not do that. And he actually watched the rest of them. He said to find a gap for, for his Batman <laughs> yeah. to, to perform in. So. so I think that this is definitely unique, and it, it's, mm. it's, it feels different in a way that it's never felt like any other Batman movie. What before. was similar? I think. So I think the similar stuff is obviously just the idea that the Christopher Nolan movies, I think, were the notable bit about them was that they felt like the first superhero movie that wasn't silly. And mm. comic-y. Like the other ones were like the... Like Tim Burton. Tim Burton ones. The ones where Arnold is Mr. Freeze and Michelle Pfeiffer is mm. Poison Ivy. And they were like very vibrant, saturated, silly comic book movies. They had like Robin in them and shit. Yeah. And like Mr. Freeze spitting puns. And Batman is just Batman in this larger-than-life weird Batcave thing. Yeah, like people say Batman camp, gift. right? Yeah, a bit. I, yeah, I, yeah, I mean camp, but also, yeah, just like... Larger than life and comic-y in a mm. way that they didn't really feel like it needed to explain it. But the Christopher Nolan one was like, well, no, like we're going to explain it, get down to brass tacks. The Batmobile is like a military tank vehicle. Uh, he learned f- how to fight because he went and trained with uh, Razal Ghul and these ninjas. Uh, you get to like see his like psychological, mental. Uh, motivation for wanting to be the Batman. Mm. You get to see like the sciencey tech side behind how he decides all the guys. And so, so that well, bit. One of my I favorite think- things about the, um, and I think it kind of embodies the approach that Christopher Nolan took is the the doctor's appointment scene that um, Christian Bale has with a doctor where he says basically like if you're going to keep this up like your body has no cartilage left in it you've sustained so many injuries you, you're yeah. like genuinely falling apart yeah and I for me that's what symbolizes like Christopher Nolan's Batman is like you're looking at the toll that it takes on a man to be that yeah and so I suppose so from that aspect that's the similarity I see in this film right. I see a lot of the a similar kind of maybe sort of picking up that ball and running with it, where you, you have an idea that the movie is a bit more realistic and it's less comic booky. This mm. isn't a comic booky sort of movie, I don't think. It's a lot of the characters a bit more grounded. Like, uh, the Riddler's not a silly guy who likes jokes. Like, he's a guy with he's some sort of... not Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's got some sort of mental illness and he has a specific uh, 
it's obsessive. And uh, yeah, he's and he's got this specific agenda and like a specific reason for doing what he's doing. And he's sort of fucking with people psychologically in a way that's like a media strategy rather than like, uh, just as an example yeah, well, he's of like, like a, he's trying to radicalize people. Yeah. So just as an example of like this movie, I suppose the similarity I see stops with the fact that this movie isn't a silly comic book movie. It's like trying to do something a bit more grounded. Mm. But on the other hand, I think that this movie is a lot darker and a lot moodier and a lot grimier in a way that feels almost close to like a like a like a 70s gangster movie or something yeah it's kind of cross between like 70s gangster and like 40s gumshoe detective type yeah um noir like thriller so that's Um, that's the first thing that's probably worth talking about is the mm. idea that like this is like a detective movie like a police procedural movie it's almost reminded me of like seven Mm. maybe in terms of it's like the plot plot structure and the characters going and sleuthing from crime scene to crime scene but batman's in it yeah and i think so i when i first saw it i heard people talking about it that way and i thought like yeah there's just you know like there's a lot of detective stuff and it is good when it's there but i actually probably would have even liked it to be leaned into more i didn't feel like he advanced the plot so much through his detective work but then i've realized listening to people talk about it that so this film does a couple of clever things about where it like the scope of the story yeah. so there's no uh um introduction basically there's no he doesn't there's you no don't origin have to see story. the pearls hit the floor that's right, and all that that's shit. all bullshit we've all done that before no one actually wants that and actually yeah. it's funny people who have hated this film have said like there's no origin story it's like yeah that's one of the best decisions that matt yeah. reeves made so about it's this the, fucking it movie. starts like a year or two into it's him two being years the batman in. yeah he's kind of shit at it yeah he's obsessed with his parents death so he hasn't processed that grief at all and he's using uh, Batman and what that enables him to do as a way to basically avenge his parents' death. Yeah, but you get a lot of you get a lot of his like mental trauma in this movie in a way that I've never seen in any other ones before. Like obviously no, none of yeah. the Tim Burton ones or anything. So we're just looking at like the Christopher Nolan one. Yeah, the and Christopher I think it's Nolan clever. one really paints Batman as more of like a noble, justice-seeking crime fighter guy. Yeah, he's got a tragic backstory, yeah. but he's enough of that millionaire suave playboy that it's he, he's learned to live with it you know yeah and he but in this one robert pattinson's batman is like a properly damaged scarred dude like yeah he's a recluse <laughs> no one sees bruce wayne outside in the yeah. city ever like the one time he goes out to some event it's like news it's like front page news story. yeah, yeah, like yeah. bruce wayne seen in public for the first time in 20 years he's like mentally scarred and psychologically damaged in mm. a way that i think is really appealing and like really it's a really like a fresh take mm. Yeah, it is. Um, so, okay. That's the setup and kind of the premise. And I guess the other... So, this film starts... Like, it really gets into it pretty fast. It's got some pacing issues, but I think this was good. Um, yeah, that yeah. Essentially, we see the Riddler kill the mayor... I think so. Yeah, it's like pretty much straight away. And then, and then the the Riddler's the the, the 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 idea of the movie basically is that the Riddler is trying to uncover deep seated corruption in Gotham City, yeah. and it's like targeting uh, people that are in some way culpable for that. Yeah, and I think there's some similarities between um, that sounds on paper similar to what uh, Heath Ledger's Joker was doing in The Dark Knight, but um, instead of those were focused on trying to undo Batman um, and get him to not fall to pieces because that's the opposite of what the Joker actually wanted. But you know what I mean, I yeah. guess. Um, to 
to to dig straight to Batman's core. Whereas this truly is the Riddler trying to uh, use Batman and other things to, yeah, target the corruption that he sees as the great injustice in Gotham. And that's something I really liked about the writing of the movie is it wasn't, like, about Batman. It's not like the whole city gives a fuck about Batman. It was, like, the Riddler cares about the city and the corruption and exposing politicians and, Mm. like, the, you know police corruption and yeah. Batman's just there and I, I liked the idea that it was like a very small scale story mm. about like corruption in this city like it felt like a bit of a gangster movie and a very for, for yeah. most of the movie yeah. and we, especially Colin Farrell's kind of st- story arc yeah yeah and that was one of my favorite things about the movie and it made me think about going back and looking at like the Christopher Nolan movie most of that movie is just Batman driving around the city beating the fuck out of people yeah and yep. in comparison to that you were saying that there's not much detective stuff but I think in comparison to those other ones there is like yeah. there is and like the focus on this movie is kind of on it's kind of on Batman, but it's like Batman is like an accessory to all of these scenes. And like mm. Batman is like rolling with the punches in a way, but he doesn't really have a plan. And uh, I liked the idea that um, the focus wasn't really on Batman and Batman's agenda. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He's not trying to, there's not, there's no like clear big plot. Mm. He's, and he's not rolling around beating the shit out of everyone. Like he's got some sort of bee in his butt about justice. Yeah, I think that the yes, I, I like that too. I think it's a it's a shift of focus away from the relationship between two characters onto the relationship. So, and when I'm thinking Batman and Joker, yeah, onto or even Batman and Bane, um, onto Batman's relationship to the corruption of Gotham. And yeah. the Joker's relationship to the corruption of Gotham, and how them working uh, with tension and friction between them, but having a similar goal, is like brings them closer together, yeah. basically, or brings them to a head. I love the relationship between um, Batman and Gordon in this movie, mm. and he's not like Commissioner Gordon; he's just a detective. Like he's just getting started as well. Yeah, and he's yeah, kind of yeah. like sticking his neck out and taking this risk. Yep. Uh, and like every single time he brings Batman somewhere, everyone's like, why the fuck is this dude here? What are you doing? Yeah, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I kind of I like that. And I, I thought, I don't know, I feel like I'm rambling. I, I, th- I thought this movie was really cool. And I thought like uh, for the first like two and a half hours of the movie, I was having a great time and I was right on the edge of my seat the whole time. Mm. And I thought that like everything about this movie was like a fresh take on this character in a way that I felt really exciting. Like, there's all these cool little ideas. Like, there's a bit where he's um completely exhausted and he's had a shit beaten out of him and he sees his buddy in trouble, so he whips out, like, a an adrenaline pen and jabs himself in like the leg pen, yeah. with, a shot of an ad- with a shot of adrenaline just to give him, like, a second wind. And he's, like, running on, like, broken ribs and, like, a fucked up leg or whatever. Yeah, and he's yeah. just, like, running straight through that pain. That's uh, so sick. Mm. Everything about this movie, every five seconds, I was going like, "Oh, that's sick!" <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's cool. And um, the cinematography is really cool. There's a lot of like really Greg dark. Frazier, the same cinematographer as Dune. Really, yeah. uh, a lot of like really. That was the only. That was the first thing that got me interested in this. Yeah, I was totally out. I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not a superhero film guy. Yeah, but learning. Being fascinated by Robert Pattinson and his career in the last few years, yeah. and then learning the Greek phrase, who was the one doing the cinematography, yeah. I thought, oh, fuck, I'm, I, I am going to go see this. I think this will be good. So and what, it was. What do you think overall? Then I liked it. I yeah. liked it. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's it's the best superhero film I think I've seen in a 
quite a while. Yeah. Um, I like the superhero films that do something different. I know, like, there are so many criticisms with, with Joker. I wouldn't necessarily even consider that a superhero film. But um, I'm thinking more like maybe Logan. Um, yeah, the ones that do something a bit different are fun. Yeah, the ones where exactly. it's just like, this is Marvel episode 25. Yes, I, think you can I watch can't stand that. No. I think the writing in this was actually quite good. I yeah. think that the there weren't any lines that I can think of where I was like scoffing or rolling my eyes or anything like that, which is a good watermark for a superhero film. Um, and for the record, it's, it's sort of similar to Chris Nolan. Uh, yeah, I think the writing was great in this. Uh, yeah. To be honest, it's been like a week or so since I've seen it, so I can't... I, I, there were a f- several lines where going through them, I thought, fuck, that's a cool line. But I, I don't, I don't yeah, remember them now. Yeah. There's a lot of really, I really cool I think the cool casting shit. is genius, or maybe not genius, but like very, <laughs> very strong. I like the cast. Yeah, um, we were talking about this off-air, just the idea that a lot of the cast are like... Sort of left field picks, right? Yeah, the up up and coming. I suppose they're all they're all having a bit of a moment, but yeah, they're left a bit left of field indie kind of picks. Like. Yeah, Colin Farrell is a great one there. Um, I mean, not that you know, yeah, not indie, but I think Colin Farrell and like John Turturro. It's not um, like casting like Dwayne the Rock Johnson as like if they did a sequel yeah. to this, you wouldn't get like The Rock as Mister Freeze. It yeah. would be some weird. It's closer to that of like an A twenty four cast than it yeah. is to um. <laughs> they do like yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal as Mister Freeze or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I thought that was great, and I thought the the fact that they managed to bring such a fresh take to it was quite impressive. Yeah. Um, there were some things that I really so like I because I was I had I, when I also learned that Matt Reeves was the director because I was quite impressed by the Planet of the Apes films, especially the fact that they sort of got better as the trilogy went on. I don't know if he directed right. all three of them. But I, I think, think he, he did two. I think he didn't do the first one. Yeah, so he did the second and third, and they and he, the third one was better than the second. You know, it's like kind of markedly improved the whole way through. Yeah, wow. But the way that he talks about his approach to Planet of the Apes is sort of similar to the way that he talks about his approach to Batman, which is that it's always like Planet of the Apes or whatever the the Ape series is about like Caesar as like a- Andy Serkis's um, ape as a character, and yeah. Um, it was a big challenge for him to be able to to do that in a way that meant that you could empathize with the character. But he talks about he's a character focused director, I think, um, where he's he's constantly asking, how can I make the audience feel like what would I do in this situation, or like understand what the why the person is doing what they're doing and make you feel like if you were in that situation, you might do the same thing. I saw an interview where he was talking about the idea. He's like, yeah, it's about monkeys, but it's not about monkeys. It's about humans' relationship with violence. Yes. And the idea that he was like putting those like emotional universals kind of onto the movie and like thinking about it in a clear way. I mean, maybe yeah. everyone does that, but like I, I like Caesar is a monkey. Yeah. Like he's, he's attempting to be like a no, like almost like a pacifistic leader. He's saying like, yeah. we can't keep doing this cycle of revenge type shit. And he has like subordinates that want to use violence in like a guerrilla tactics type of way <laughs> and launch like a counter offensive. And so you've yeah, got this like tactics way. leader. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you've got this like, um, <laughs> you've got this leader that wants to morally do the right thing yeah and his subordinates and the the main antagonist in the film saying like brother you are naive like we need to do this because they're not going to fucking stop they're not going to behave you you can't take the moral high ground here yeah you'll die in the same way that's so interesting for like a fucking planet of the apes remake it's it's interesting so i think we were watching the same interview where he said about in this one it's about um and you sounds like you're remembering it better than i am but Mm -hmm. he was talking about how like this this movie is about like 
humans' relationship with crime. And yeah, like, and, and vengeance as well. Um, yeah. I feel like there's been a real, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking of The Last of Us 2 as well, but I feel like there's been like the idea of like vengeance and violence yeah. and revenge as like character drivers and explorations of whether or not like when revenge is um, <laughs> useful or correct or productive yeah. or whatever oh, are interesting ideas. Fuck, that was so funny, man. He never says, I'm Batman in this movie, but someone's like, who are you? He's like, I'm Vengeance. Yeah. And like, then for the rest of the movie, people are like, oi, Vengeance, get over here. Yeah, they'll always like, make fun of him, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was sick. It's great. Yeah, like, the yeah. idea of like Batman is this like, beta dude who people are like use your vengeance yeah, you sound well, he's silly he's taking himself so seriously which obviously yeah. y- y- like understandably but um, but the, yeah the idea that other people are just like man get the fuck out of here I'm trying to do my job and yeah. you're making it much much more difficult yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like quite you know yeah I think that's those are the types of things that ground it uh, yeah I, I love this like the stuff with the, where he's got like the contact lens video camera yeah, yeah, and he's like Kravitz, recording yeah. everything and going back and the idea that he's like habitually journaling everything yeah. really gave this idea that he's like using his like Batman outings as this like meditative therapy type thing. Yeah, I mean, Robert Pattinson talked about it. I watched a few interviews with him where he he basically talked about how his version of um, Bruce Wayne wants to not be Bruce Wayne at all. He wants to only be Batman. And so he's using it as, because it's the closest way that he can think of to undo the injustice of his parents' death, um, he it's the only time he feels like he's able to actually do something, which is why he has no interest in being Bruce Wayne at all. And it plays that shit with his parents so well where there's no moment where he's like, no, I'm sad because of my dead parents. No. But like, there's a moment where a man gets killed uh, and then his kid is like in the apartment when all the police are going through yeah, the, yeah. the crime scene. And Bruce is just like stuck there staring at this kid sitting on the edge of the bed and the kid is just like... What the fuck? Yeah, what, what am I, I supposed to do? What really? am I supposed to be doing now? The kid looks so lost and dejected and Bruce just addressed as Batman, just finds himself like frozen there staring at this kid and you can see like all the thoughts running across his eyes mm. uh, and Gordon's like, dude, come on, what the fuck? We have, to, we have to go. And like just the moments where he sort of gets hung up on himself like that, I think are really great. Yeah, and well, it's because of- he thinks he's, he's in that moment, he's trying to be Batman, but this kid it, like is a straight line back through to who he really is yeah. and his real trauma. But I, I suppose it's a great a great show of like showing how the trauma can affect someone without needing to fucking show it. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, yeah. it's very clever. I, I know that, you know, people have talked about how this film's got mm. some pacing issues towards the second and third act, but I think overall, this was quite restrained for a comic book film. I think so. I thought of a line I really liked and it was a good example of like a comic book movie line that I thought really worked where um, Selena Kyle, the Catwoman, she's never heard of Catwoman, she's just like Selena Kyle, yeah. this like person who works at a dodgy club and is like stealing shit to make ends meet or whatever. Um, she's like looking for her friend who is I think a, 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 like a Russian immigrant to America. Yeah, so maybe trafficked or something. Her friend has clearly been sort of stuck up in the wrong crowd and she's just trying to help her. And there's all these cats like littering around their apartment and Batman's like, what's with the cats? And she just goes like, I have a thing about strays. Yeah. And I thought that was a really great line. Yeah, it it is a good line. It's a bit comic booky. But it, it sort is. of really shows, it talks about, it sort of shows like the, the I, I don't know, it just makes you think about like who she is as a person and makes you think about how she's like, 
like a good person who is like stuck in a bad situation and she's trying to help these people and it's like it, it sort of grounds this it's, cat it's woman pithy thing. but not dorky yeah yeah ex- exactly I really like it yeah I, I thought I thought and the, the movie was full of all sorts of stuff that, that made me smile I was like oh that's great it's it's like grounding this cat woman thing is like not like she likes cats but like oh the cats remind her of like her her like her friend that mm. she's trying to trying to find yeah I want to. Um, uh, we could talk about this one for for a long time, but um, I I, I want to quickly cover like things like I think there's a bunch of things I'll talk about under the guise of um, and I'm keen to get your thoughts about whether or not you agree. Yeah, but yeah. I think you will under the guise of like making this world feel very real and grounded. Um, he I've, does it yeah. with I think the I, I unfortunately can't remember the name of the production designer, but he 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 said in this I think it's the same interview that we were talking about. Um, yeah. We'll link it in the description. Um, he talks about how he felt the production designer was actually already signed on uh, to the film by the time he, by the time Matt Reeves signed on to the film, which is right. quite rare. Usually, the director comes on and they have all these ideas, and then yeah, later yeah, on yeah. they'll find a production designer, so they have to develop all these ideas. Whereas Matt Reeves was saying he was sending pages of the script to the production designer yeah. early in the pr- in the pre production process, being like, "What should this look like and feel like?" Oh, that's cool. And so there were you know things like the fact that there's these um, uh, train stations. Um, the, there's like myths about these like the van the. Vanderbilts. Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers having like these secret private train stations under their buildings, under their skyscrapers. And so that was where the idea for the Batcave came from was like, what if the Waynes had one of these sort of private terminuses of, of these uh, subway stations in there? Yeah, and thing. the Batcave, the bat I love the idea of the Batcave being set up in like what looked like the crumbling ruin of Wayne Enterprises' yeah. tower in... Gotham City. Yeah. I mean, it's not literally a ruin, but like it just looks a bit worn but down. D- it's com- yeah, and completely abandoned. The idea yeah. that the Batcave is like just like through a through a little garage door at the bottom of Wayne Manor, the, the, the Wayne the Wayne Tower was cool. And the idea that like the tower skyscraper thing is probably also where he lives. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was really cool. And the idea of the family dynasty kind of thing in this movie was something that I really liked. Like legacy, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the way that he sort of hung up on that, and he's sort of trying to work out like who his father was mm. uh, and whether he is allowed to be proud of his father or look up to his father or whether he should feel bad about mourning and grieving his father. The yeah. more that you find out about Thomas Wayne, the more you feel like part of Bruce Wayne's response to that is that he's kind of in denial or he kind of feels guilty that he's putting so much effort and so much emotional weight into this thing, which he feels like maybe I'm, maybe I'm not supposed to like have loved this guy. Yeah. Which I yeah, thought yeah. was real I yeah. thought was really cool. And you really got a lot of impression of that. The um yeah. the performances in this, Robert Pattinson is so fucking great in this movie. He mm. really disappears into the role. But the other stuff like John Turturro as like this like mafia crime boss is just eating up scenery in every single scene he's in. Him and Colin Farrell. Yeah. I think. They're so fucking good. You never see John Turturro in a role like this. He's never playing a bad guy. He's always playing some like weird quirked up shorty. Yeah. Weirdo. And so him yeah. being like He's just this, a normal like, super threatening guy. Crime boss mafia dude in this movie. Because he's is so softly sick. spoken. Yeah. But you know he's important and threatening, which is really good. And yeah. he's warm. He brings a warmth to the character, which I think is endearing. You sort of understand why people might sort of trust this man, even if they shouldn't. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really great. And Colin Farrell. Um, this is, I think Colin Farrell's performance is truly one of the best performances I've seen in years. It's so good. <laughs> it's wild to say, because it's such an 
uh, a f- like it's there's no restraint. He's in that doing this like at all. cartoon New York accent. Yeah, that really works. But like, oh man, it's but awesome. he's like. When you stare at that character, he's the prosthetics and the makeup in his performance is so transformative. Yeah. I uh there were lots of times where I completely forgot it was Colin Farrell. And not just in a, in the you're getting like Paul Dana, you can get lost in the performance. So you yeah. forget it's the teenager from Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. But Colin Farrell became this character. I think in a way that like Danny DeVito like becoming the penguin is it was like more well done than that. Yeah. Like he, I think, yeah, I, I think it's, he's quietly one of the shining stars of this film. He's amazing in the really movie. Incredible. And I think it's a good example of how the movie stays, is is kind of, it's it's a bit larger than life in its sort of emo, gothic, gritty, grimy, 70s crime movie depiction of everything. And yep. how everything's very stylized and very dark and gloomy. But that character, like he's the penguin. But what they've done with that is it's been like, well, there's this like, there's this dodgy bar where pe- this dodgy nightclub where people go to, and it's called the Iceberg Lounge, which is I thought was like a qu- a, a silly little reference. <laughs> yeah. And then he's just like a dodgy black market mid tier crime boss guy. Yeah, and I think that this it, he also like the even the antagonists have very strong uh, ambitions and yeah. sorry strong motivations. So he's like an ambitious guy who's and like the story kind of takes him at at, at a point at which he's frustrated with his lack of progression in this (laughs) in this crime uh world so yeah yeah, i think that's interesting too this movie made me realize how silly christopher nolan's movie is by comparison if only because like you know in christopher nolan's one like he got trained by ninjas in china or whatever yeah it feels real but it's not it's not and in comparison to this it's literally just like robert pattinson is just figuring shit out as he goes along and he's like stumbling his way through everything and he's just fighting because he's just learned to fight like any normal dude might have learned to fight yeah Uh, and then like uh, sorry, like, like, like with with the Joker in the Nolan movies, the Joker still clearly has some sort of cartoon, like I need to just create chaos, unrealistic thing. But in this, like, as you said, the the, the antagonist motivations are, re- are, are like uh, are believable, Very and realistic. Clear, like yeah. the Riddler is like he like despises the corruption in authority in the city. And what he's doing fundamentally has some sort of good behind it because he wants to expose this corruption and he wants to like. I feel like the, the uh, it descends into a bit of chaos at some point, but like his motivation at heart is in is in is like an inherently pure motivation in the sense that he's trying to expose corruption and he feels powerless in the way that it's been left to run unchecked so far. Yeah, and his his goal and his motivation kind of perfectly mirrors that of yeah. Batman, which exactly. I think is great, and, and like, that's very clever writing. The yeah. Penguin doesn't have a whole bunch of tiny henchmen and he's running him over with a freeze ray, a freeze ray, and have a nightclub full of ice or whatever no he's like yeah he's just like an ambitious guy who's trying to make money and try and get more power in this city Mm. which i I just i I thought it was really cool and it made made me think like it made me really sink into it and get into it as a crime movie rather than like not not be tripped up on the fact that this is all happening because batman is a pure good guy and yeah the bad guys are just trying to do bad shit because bad shit is fun i feel like the nolan one is like the joker is being bad because how fun is it to be bad yeah, it, it definitely feels like that sometimes. I think also, sorry, I was talking about the production design oh, right, earlier. Yeah. Um, I think that all of the like the sound design and the production design and the um, cinematography all really help s- help describe what you what you're talking about with sink into the world. You can feel. Yeah. I feel like there's there's this film has like a very realistic texture to it where 
even the fact that they like sometimes it's like low angle shots where the, so I'm thinking about like for example the shot where you see the uh, murder weapon that the mayor is killed with, yeah, and it's like the camera's sitting on the floor. And it's really, really shallow focus, so nothing in the frame is in focus. And then you see the weapon sort of be thrown and impact in the ground in front of the camera, right yeah. where the plane of focus There's is, so and leave many... a dent in the floor. Yeah. So I'm thinking about the fact that you're like staring at these texture, the texture of these floorboards. Like, yeah. it really puts you into the fucking. Like, you're looking at the walls of these places, it's, it's, and I think it's very clever. It's really immersive, and there's so many imaginative shots that make this really exciting the to watch. The writing on the page, like, all yeah. these, these things that feel very, like, it's not... I feel like in Nolan's films, like... The, it's like it's a like, clinical... Yeah, and the gadgets yeah. are so absurd because the idea is he has, like, infinite money. And with mm. infinite money, what would Batman's gadgets look like? And in this, it's like, well, yeah, he's got a lot of money, but... Um, it's like reasonable. But not infinite. It's like yeah. you can buy the best tech that you could buy today, yeah. I suppose. But like he doesn't have he doesn't have wings that stiffen with an electric pulse so no. he can glide. Or like he a ha- fucking panopticon yeah. of like surveillance that he can watch the right. whole city with or whatever. He, exactly. He has like a grappling hook and if he wants to get a camera somewhere, he has to go there with a hidden camera. Yeah, and a wingsuit that's pretty fucking hairy to use. Like That yeah. was sick. It, that's it was another great example cool, of like, yeah. how's he gonna do that? Uh, yeah. And the fact that he fucks it up and like yeah. rolls really and, like, hurts fucks himself, himself yeah. and he's like limping away yeah, yeah. as Batman. It's yeah. really good. I thought that I watched an interview where he was talking about the idea that, um, in terms of like the immersive camera work, like with the car chase, for example, he said he wanted to attach the car to as many different places as he could, and like not have like follow cars. For example, with that ca- with that thing, he's like, no, if we could bolt the camera to the front of the fucking car, I want to do that. Mm. And if the if the car is shaking, the camera is going to be shaking. You're going to feel like you're in there. Yeah, with he's it. like, if it's going through a puddle, you, we're going to get water on the lens. Like yeah. it's really in the world. That car yeah. chase between the penguin and the Batman, the so Batmobile. Good. One of the coolest car chases I've ever seen yeah, in the movie. And there was there was I watched something where they were talking about the idea that like um a lot of creative use of shots where like a lot of the car chases, the camera is in the penguin's car and you're seeing the Batmobile chasing him through the rearview mirror or through the wing mirrors. Yeah, it's from Penguin's perspective. So much of this movie makes you f- filled with dread. And yeah. it gives this air about how menacing Batman is. Like even just the opening bit where there's like it's like this the the comic book narration where it's like about how Batman could be in the shadows anywhere. And it's mm. like when the bat when the bat sign uh goes up onto the clouds and all the criminals suddenly start to start to get very suspicious and like the way that like Batman is often fighting in the dark and the shots are very gloomy and often it's fucking hard to see what's going on. It's really silhouetted. Yeah, that's I think that's Greek phrases. Boldness as a cinematographer. Yeah. He's not afraid of silhouette, the which sc- is great. The score is just like Batman's theme is just like Yeah. It's like two notes. The, yeah, the total reboot guys were talking about how it's almost like a Jaws thing. Like right. yeah, the yeah, score yeah. when it comes up, it's like Batman half in the dark when he's fighting and you're watching him, and this like very menacing, foreboding music. Mm. Uh it's it, it means that like the very few times that you do see him beating the shit out of someone, it's fucking terrifying. And you're like, oh man! I, I, yeah, yeah, I think the cinematography is probably my favorite thing about this film, and I think it kept me entertained in ways where other people had issues where they felt the story was flagging or blowing out too much a little bit, especially mm. towards the sort of second half of the second act and the third act. Yeah. And 
I was just so entertained by the way it looked yeah. that I didn't care. I, I never got bored, exactly. Yeah. I thought it was so exciting. I thought, I mean, I thought that the, the story was one of those great corruption, crime, gangster stories where you can follow what's going on. It doesn't feel too written like they've thrown in all these names and you're just like, oh, I just have to believe nah. that it's great. You can follow what's going on in a way that makes me feel like it sounds like I'm a dumb man. But like, you know what I mean? Like it's... All the steps that they're making and all the detective work, you feel right there along with them and you feel like you're understanding what they're uncovering as they uncover it. Yeah. And then... And the goals are very clear. Yeah. So you and, always know what they're going for. And yeah, there's always these great ideas. There's always some cool bat thing that's a very great... Like the, the adrenaline pen or like, yeah, the wingsuit with the parachute. Uh, the uh, There's always some cool Batman thing happening or there's... It, great camera work or some sort of great visual aesthetic that keeps it. I never got bored with this. Yeah, I mean, it's like three hours long. I never got bored, and I, th- I think maybe maybe we don't have to spoil anything. <laughs> hey, I know I said that we weren't going to spoil stuff, but with this, we, we probably give some like minor minor spoilers for the end of the movie, just in terms of like, oh, imagine if this happened, or imagine if this didn't. Yeah, happen. they didn't do this. Yeah, yeah. so like yeah. we didn't really spoil stuff, but if you're worried about vague spoilers like that we sort of vaguely talk about spoilery stuff and there's a time code in the description for when who, we stop who may or may not die and that type of thing yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it alright but uh, back to the episode right, bye bye thank you but I feel like no. to- towards the end um, the only bit where I started to loud up was it di- It did start to feel a bit silly and comic booky when it started to turn more into like a when the focus turns the, to the, the city the seawall I think yeah. is that yeah without any spoilers that's yeah. when it sort of takes a bit of a turn for it because it becomes the scale blows out and I, I, I think it stops it in that it loses that focus as on like the a focused pe- 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 yeah people focused corruption story yeah. about the crime in Gotham yeah. and turns into a bit of this like disaster Avengers kind of action film thing yeah, yeah that's in a, a way that I didn't really like and a lot of the bits the fight stuff the stuff that Batman's doing in the arena there I thought was so cool a yeah. lot of that fight scene stuff where he's up on the catwalks and where he's like climbing and hanging from that jumbotron thing, and mm. he's clearly struggling, and they're shooting at him, and you just you're watching Batman just getting shot at like a fish in a barrel. I thought that was great in a way that I've never felt like Batman is vulnerable like that before. Yeah, yeah. And I, I honestly thought that they could have killed him. Well, yeah, I wasn't sure if they would or not, and. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there's a few moments where, I, and I think it's a sign of a good film where you're like not sure if they killed the protagonist or not. Yeah, um, is that is that spoilery to be saying that? I don't know. Maybe I'll put it. Yeah, I'll put in a little spoiler warning. But yeah, I I, I just thought that there was some genuine. You're right. Stakes. He feels very vulnerable, and and the yeah. stakes feel very prescient. And I think that's the thing that actually that's a good way to put it. I think is in terms of the stakes. I think for most of the film, the stakes are only what. Uh, Bruce Wayne, as a human, stands to lose, which is like his sense of either his life or his sense of um, uh, the world being right after his parents' death or whatever. And like um, the Riddler, you know, what he stands to lose is his uh, freedom, I guess, if he fails in his... Uh, pursuit, or or um, that the injustice of the city keeps going. Yeah. But then when you when you when it gets to that third act and the stuff with the seawall, I think the stakes become so high and the scale of the violence can mm. become so big that it stops being very human. You don't process it in a way of like, well, it's not something, yeah. it's not something Batman is losing. 
and anymore. Batman gets this moment to be valiant and noble yeah. in a way where we haven't really... And I kind of... It sort of warms your heart seeing that. And I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a sucker for that. Uh, this like these grand displays of bravery well, and, and I loved selflessness. How I feel like he was... Pattinson's performance in that particular moment is so uncertain that it's yeah. something very unfamiliar to him, which yeah, I really I, like. I love watching him struggle. Like watching Batman just get completely murked by a shotgun. Yeah, was fucking sick. Yeah, and watching him good. like str- that was the bit where he like stabs himself with the adrenaline really to give him the second yeah. wind. I thought that was sick. Um, I liked the idea that like he like is jumping down into the water to save this kid. And he's like sort of yeah. got it in his head that he feels some sort of attachment to this kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think you're right though that the fact the fact that we hadn't really seen him doing much of this valiant, noble stuff. It maybe this is like we're watching Batman come into his element and discover who he is as like. Uh, he belongs to the city, and he feels like his place and his role. Maybe I've convinced myself that it's kind of cool. The the idea that at the end there, before you sort of got this idea that Batman didn't give a fuck whether he lived or died, and he's just mm. doing this every night. Just to work through some emotional shit that he yeah, has, yeah. Well, and think in this moment, he's like, "I'm the only fucking one that can actually do something about this." I think you see a pivot, and and this is like more credit than I think most superhero movies should get for their character work. I think you see a yeah. pivot in his worldview away from like his vengeance, right, for the first yeah. half of the film or, or whatever most of the film, and all that he wants to do is retribution on people committing crimes and the petty criminals that that yeah. are the same ones that killed his parents, and so. You see a pivot from that and him thinking, that's my salvation, Mm. to why I can actually help the victims of these types of things. And that should be my salvation. I can stop other people from experiencing that same thing, not just punish the people who do that thing. Yeah, and I think that's him thinking about legacy again and thinking about what he wants his legacy to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what what he thinks his role should be. You know, as like a member of the Wayne family, maybe. Yeah. You don't even really get that very much. I no, don't know. I think that, that was much. I think it was sick and I'm really glad I watched it. Uh yeah. I think that uh Oh, my favorite moment of the whole film. Yeah. Sorry. I guess we can pretty That's much good. we're, we're yeah. pretty much good. That's pretty much it. The moment where I knew I was gonna like the film <laughs> was when <laughs> he's on his motorbike at this it's in the first act mm. and uh something in the way by Nirvana yeah. starts playing. And I just thought like this, this rule, like <laughs> this is so. That's such a fucking left field pick. Yeah, that's not an action movie song. Yeah. that's like a brooding, M- moody, self indulgent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like emotional little fucking like depressed. Great like pick. Kurt Cobain's talking in that song about like how he's living in a tent and surviving off the fucking drips from his ceiling and eating grass and shit. <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome. Like the tone that that sets and how yeah. like just droning a low energy yeah. is while he's like going fucking a hundred kilometers an hour on his fucking motorbike or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not that fast. Probably not faster than a hundred. Um, that was <laughs> yeah. the moment well, where I was speeding like speeding along at like 50 kilometers yeah. an hour. <laughs> 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 well, he's still in the speed limit in a 60 zone. Um, <laughs> do, you no, do, you reckon, do you reckon Batman slows down for school zones? or is Absolutely he Absolutely like, not. No, he's just tearing through school zones. Yep, yep, I reckon Batman's so. Batman's going after the criminals and leaving <laughs> hundreds of bodies just of dead bodies in his children. wake. Um, there's no way the Batmobile didn't, hasn't killed people accidentally, just like people stepping out in front of crosswalks. <laughs> Batman being done for a hit and run. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the uh, I think that that was the moment where I realized, like, oh, Matt Reeves is doing something very different from yeah. the rest of this shit. This is a real human story, and it, yeah. like Batman's little emo uh, 
dork recluse and I really like what they're going to do with this character. Yeah. We haven't talked very much either about Paul Dano. He does a fantastic job as Riddler. I didn't really rate... But he's also not in the movie that much. He's not in the movie that much. I didn't really I didn't really get much. I thought I didn't like the dumb fucking mask. I suppose the so, idea is that Paul Dano's a bit fucked up and he's... Yeah, he's just trying to radicalize dudes on the internet. And His reasoning for that, actually, for the costume, is it's really good and I didn't feel like it came across. He's wrapping himself... Because he doesn't want to leave any evidence, uh, mostly body hair, yeah. in the crime scene other than what he intends to leave. So, under the suit, he's actually, like, completely wrapped in clan wrap. Right. And um, I, I would have wanted to see a bit more of the methodical serial killer type shit then. Because if, if yeah. that's what he's going for is that he's this very well thought out, like, serial killer-y kind of thing, <laughs> uh, then um, I would have wanted to see a lot more of that. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so I, I, the only thing that I didn't like about his, I thought his performance was great. I th- I like the costume design and stuff. Very left field. I think he did a very good job. And like Paul Dano is a guy where as soon as he's on screen, I'm excited to watch. Yeah. Um, but I can't. I, I heard someone else say this, and I kind of agree. I can't stop but just seeing Paul Dano though. I'm just seeing Paul Dano doing weird, goofy shit. Like, uh, no, yeah, I that wasn't my experience. I I, I thought he was like good. Yeah, you know, sure. Like, I, I think I was so wowed by everyone else that I thought the Riddler guy is, like, yeah, he's good, he's good, but he wasn't like wowing me in the same way as I thought that the 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 Penguin did or that uh, Gordon's character did or all the other characters. It I wasn't just as were transformative of a performance, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Maybe he was just the one that was most like an actual Batman thing. I mean, the fact that the Riddler is still leaving these little fucking like riddles, you know? Yeah, and he's, and the he's through the phone. Like he's through a phone screen a lot. Um, which question, I think yeah. does a bit of disservice to... It probably is better for the story and the film, but yeah. it does a bit of a disservice to his performance. Maybe I just thought that within the scope of the rest of the movie, the fact that there is one character that's writing fucking question marks all over everything and little codes <laughs> and ciphers and shit, absurd, I thought yeah. it was a bit absurd, yeah. yeah. I, I liked it, though. I thought... I'm trying to think but as far as the Riddler goes, like it's pretty... It's probably as close to realistic as you could push that. It's al- It almost yeah. it reminded me of um, Jigsaw from the Saw series. The yeah. way that he constructs these elaborate machines that are torture devices with timers and bombs or whatever built into them yeah. where it's like you got 30 minutes to solve this or this person's head's being fucking blown off yeah yeah um, I suppose like yeah. I suppose maybe I, I, th- I thought maybe what they were going for was a bit of like a um, like a Zodiac killer kind of thing yeah sure and I yeah, just yeah, I didn't yeah. get that degree of I suppose fundamentally the difference is that the Riddler's a bit incompetent. Like he's 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 quite good to a to a degree, but he's like amateurish. I think he's also less psychopathic than, even though that's a funny thing to say. Yeah. I think he's less psychopathic than a serial killer. Um, I he's, think he's going after this. Like, he's a radical extremist. Yeah, that's literally what he is. And the yeah. point I of radical extremist. I thought like this is the the, the Riddler is the protagonist. When Andrew was watching this movie, and Andrew was watching this being like, God, oh, the Riddler's got a point. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's interesting how empathetically it played his character. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought the idea that it, it's like meant to be a like a very much a reflection or even maybe an extension of what Batman's line of logic is yeah, was really yeah, yeah. good. Um. But yeah, I, I I think the fact that he's not played as inhuman as that and yet is still like I wouldn't be surprised if they studied like uh like white extremism and, right. and radicalization to inform right. his character journey. Like it it's 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 normal disenfranchised well not normal, but it's disenfranchised uh, psychologically vulnerable people that do this thing. They're not necessarily sociopaths. You know, they're not as like 
rare as that in a funny way. <laughs> um, and I think his character is meant to be more of a human. Um, and so that comes across in his performance and it does make him less threatening because you understand him more. This is my experience of it. Yeah, you understand yeah. him more, but it also makes him seem less competent. And that, and, and yeah. what's really creepy in these types of villains is when they are so super competent that you feel like you are at their mercy and that if you're not dead or mm. suffering or whatever, it's because they've chosen to play with you more. I think I got that a bit. I, I don't know what it was about the Riddler that wasn't really turning me on. I liked it. I just suppose sure. I did, it, it wasn't like a everything else in this movie was like an 8 or a 9 out of 10 for me. That was like a 7. You know, like, Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. I still liked it. Yeah, I, I, I just, mm. I don't know. I just like looking at Paul Dana's face doing yeah. stuff, you know. I love this movie, man. I think uh, if we're wrapping up, I mm. think I enjoy this movie... At the moment, the way I'm sitting with it now, I think I like it more than the Batman, the Nolan ones. Wow! But I think if I went okay, through and watched huge. the Nolan ones, I'd probably flip. Like I, I like it like as, easily as much. I think that yeah. it does fall for me. Like the last half an hour goes on like a bit, a bit too long. Maybe not literally because of the length, but just because of the way it changes the movie a bit in mm, the last sure, half an hour. And sure. I liked how localized and small scale the story was. And when it blew out a bit. I was like, oh, I'm still enjoying this, but not as much as I was just enjoying the the detective stuff. Yeah, uh, sure. I could get behind that. I think for me, I haven't really, like, funnily enough, I loved especially Dark Knight uh, yeah. when it came out. Like, who who didn't really? And um, I, But I haven't watched them that much. And I reckon I've only seen Batman Begins once when it came out. So I, think I've I seen couldn't them, really say too much. I think I've seen the last one once, and I might have seen the Dark Knight and... Batman Begins like twice. Like twice, yeah, sure. I, I might go and rewatch them, to be honest, because I'm kind of curious about what, what, like, especially if they show their age. Yeah. But yeah, I think for me, it's sort of probably at this point without rewatching, sits above uh, Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises, but probably still just below Dark Knight because Heath Ledger's performance of Joker is just like, I don't know if we'll ever see a villain that compelling again. No. Like, certainly, it's... It, that's the high watermark for, for villains for me. Yeah, that's such an insanely good performance. Just a, it's the most fucking uh, white man thing to be like, oh yeah, he's he's just joking, but he's he's very good. It like I know this even more even more so, but like knowing more, like learning more about the craft of acting and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I like I'm annoyed that he <laughs> I'm annoyed that he died so that I couldn't see more of his work yeah. because I feel like to give one of the strongest. Um, it's it's a little like James Gandolfini, right? It's like I wish he was still making stuff. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, yeah, I just didn't. I feel like he hadn't. He'd had a lot of strong roles up to that point, but not anyway. We yeah. should I shouldn't fucking talk about. It. <laughs> um, <laughs> whatever. Go on about the Joker, but yeah, I I think <laughs> yeah, so. I don't know. I think that's what makes it sit slightly below that for me. Yeah. But I think it's better than. Uh, is this is this fair to say better than any Marvel film I've seen? <laughs> Probably, I probably like it better than even like the Sam Raimi Spider Man. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah right. I I think it's like it's it's right up there. It'd be my top three comic book films ever. Easy, easy. Yeah, wow. I'm trying to think easy. of other ones. I mean, you mentioned Logan. That's not one that like, like sits the first in a Iron Man. Like, yeah, I definitely. I I mean, yeah, I feel like this is going for something completely different. It like, is. That's yeah, and and I I really respond well to like boldness especially when there's mm. when i wouldn't have thought the boldness would be allowed in yeah. these kind of films so i really appreciated a lot of the direction that it, it went in yeah, yeah me too well yeah. i'd say i'll probably sign off on that it's better than most of the chump tier marvel stuff yeah <laughs> better than Absolutely. i don't know I, I, how, how about jo- it's going for different stuff than joker i think i think i like this more than i like joker 
I, yeah, I think so too. I think so too. And actually, I didn't like Joker was shot in a very particular way, but um, I like the aesthetic of this one a lot more. Better than Joker, worse than The Dark Knight. Maybe equal to The Dark Knight. That's our official better than worse then. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it matters. If we fuck it up, we can't. We can't, <laughs> yeah, we can't take it back. <laughs> well, that's it. That's the episode for the week. Uh, thanks for joining us. Not sure what we're going to do. Uh, next week, I really want to see the Nicolas Cage. Uh, yeah, me too. Weight of incredible, Everything, whatever the fuck. Everywhere, all at once is also. I've also heard that's excellent. great. So, so I think maybe we're, we're going to try and do one of those two. It's a lot. I think we have the most fun doing this podcast, and we take a bit of time time between episodes. I'm sorry, mm. it's irregular, but I know that no one gives a fuck. <laughs> You're probably not even listening this far. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you probably dropped off. So we'll put in the description which one we're going to do next week. It's probably going to be one of the cinema, one of those two. Let us know what you thought of this movie. You can join us on the Facebook page. You can email us, beefstationpod at gmail.com. Tell uh, us what you've been watching if you've been watching stuff recently. Yeah, I know yeah. there's not been much in cinemas, but uh, but yeah, if you've been watching stuff online. Message us, send us an email. Is there anything you've been enjoying? Talk to us. Mm-hmm. We're here We're here to help. We'll, we're we'll, here for you. We'll respond to your email in we're here to help. four to six business weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. See you later. So